You're listening to Teach Me Thy Statutes, a production of the Ephesus School Network. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. The company of the angels was amazed. Hi, this is Father Aaron Warwick with Jason Everett, and you are listening to the Teach Me Thy Statutes podcast, episode number 76. Today's reading is from Luke chapter 24, verses 1 through 12. Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with him came to the tomb bringing the spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. Then they returned from the tomb and told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them, who told these things to the apostles. And their words seemed to them like idle tales, and they did not believe them. But Peter arose and ran to the tomb, and stooping down he saw the linen clothes lying by themselves, and he departed, marveling to himself at what had happened. Our reading today is uh, the Aeothenon Gospel appointed for this coming Sunday's matin service. And the text is certainly familiar to one who has heard or sung the Evlogataria that is chanted on most Sunday mornings of the year. And the thing that always strikes me about this resurrection account, Father, is the fact that it is the women who are the first witnesses. It seems to me that there is tremendous significance to this, that the first witnesses were women. Am I on to something here, uh, or is my focus misguided, Father? No, I, th- I think you're onto something, and you're definitely not misguided. In fact, I think there are at least two significant aspects to the women, or as we often refer to them, the myrrh-bearing women, being the first witnesses to the resurrection of Christ. Okay, and what are those two things that you'd like to point out? The first is actually something I came across recently from one of St. John Chrysostom's sermons. He mentioned how it was fitting that Christ's resurrection was first announced to the women, since it was Eve, the first woman, who had first tasted of the forbidden fruit. And I would say we could take that a step further and note that not only was Eve the first to partake of the fruit, but then she also went and evangelized, so to speak, how good the fruit was to Adam and and encouraged or tempted him to partake of it as well. So it's fitting then that Christ's resurrection is first announced to the women who then go and evangelize the men, the disciples, telling them of that message. That's fascinating. That's something I definitely hadn't considered, but it seems to make sense, especially in the light of the fact that uh, in Paul's epistles, he refers to Christ as the new Adam. Yeah, exactly. You can see how that biblical story that is found in the opening of Genesis plays out throughout the rest of Scripture, and the rest of Scripture regularly refers back to it. And here you have at the end of Luke's Gospel a reference back to that. And I highlight this because many times on our podcast, I've expressed how the Bible is best understood as literature. You can see this with yet another example here. As I've said, Genesis 1 through 4, most especially, is like the introduction that you would have if you were writing a paper in your English class. And then in the conclusion of Luke's gospel, you refer back to what you brought up in the introduction. 
And we know that good literature does that. It sets things up in the introduction, has them play out in the body of the work, and then highlights these key points and stories in the conclusion. Thanks for pointing that out, Father, because like you said, it is something that we've discussed several times, and it's always nice when we see these things come up in passages that we discuss on a podcast uh, to refer back to some of the previous lessons and, and the principles about the Bible that we've uh, discussed uh, on this episode. And now getting back to the women being told of the resurrection and then proclaiming it to the men, uh, the disciples, you said you had two points. Uh, your first was how the situation was like the reverse of, of Eve and Adam in paradise. What's the second point that you wanted to make? Yeah, the second point relates to another constant theme or motif in the Bible, and that is the principle that God systematically, perhaps without exception, I can't think of one right off the top of my head, but I always hesitate to say there are no exceptions because someone could point them out, but systematically, God favors the weak, the poor, the needy, the outcast, the person or people who are seen as lesser, we might say, than the others in any given situation. And this is obviously done to show, as the Bible teaches, that God's ways are not our ways. Because we as a society, and even most of us as individuals, obviously, tend to prefer the strong and powerful. And now we have to understand the context of the Bible, the time in which it was written. And I understand and of course agree that women should be treated equally as men under the law. So I'm not saying, and even the Bible is not saying, that women are lesser than men, but that was just a historical fact at the time of Christ, the way that women were treated. They were treated in the surrounding societies as property, plain and simple. And again, we don't have to like that, but it's the reality that women were not viewed equally, equally with men. They were considered by that society as being lesser. And so this is just another example of Jesus in the Bible siding with those whose society viewed as weaker, as less than their counterpart. And so it's significant that God first sent the message of Christ's resurrection to the women and that the women were tasked with telling the men, the disciples. And on top of that, the men, the disciples, didn't even believe them. <laughs> yes, maybe you can unpack that, Father, uh, the significance of the disciples not believing. And then after that, uh, I'd like to get back to the whole idea of uh, how women were thought of at the time of Christ and, and some questions around that. So, so don't let me forget. But first, uh, what's the significance of the disciples not believing? Well, let's start with what we focused on just a minute ago and compare and contrast them to the men. So again, at that historical time, women were considered to be lesser than men, yet God is siding with them or favoring them in the announcement of Christ's resurrection. And note the response of the women. The women clearly believed, which is why Luke highlights that the women, quote, remembered his words, meaning Christ's words. So the women believed. They responded the way that we should respond. The men the disciples, on the other hand, did not believe. And Luke says uh, the words of the women proclaiming the resurrection to them, quote, seemed to them, the disciples, like idle tales, and they did not believe them. So there's even an extra step here. Not only were the women the ones considered at that time to be weaker, not only were they the ones to first hear of the resurrection, but they were also the first to believe. The men didn't even believe it when they heard, and perhaps it was because of the women. Perhaps it was because, again, systematically in the Bible, when we overlook or ignore who we view as the weaker, the lesser, the needy, we often overlook the message God is trying to send to us. 
And then uh, anything else that you want to say about the disciples not believing before we move on? Yeah, just quickly, uh, the narrative of the Bible is always one where only God and then Jesus in the New Testament end up looking good. So Luke here is jabbing at the disciples with respect to their unbelief. Uh, You would think that being there with Jesus during his earthly ministry and seeing what he did and hearing what he preached, that you would have gotten it. And ultimately, that jab at the disciples is a jab at us as believers, as people who are active in the church community. In other words, let's be real, even if we had walked with Jesus during his life, we also would not have believed. The only ones who believed were the ones not favored by society. Great. Thanks for that, Father. Now, going back to what you said about women in society at the time of Christ, a lot of people have questions about things like that, the treatment of women, uh, the fact that there were slaves, But Jesus never explicitly condemned those things. So what should we make of that? Yeah, very good question, Jason. Thank you, and uh, give me a little bit of time to explain this. Uh, And I can tell you my understanding of it. Uh, Jesus makes clear that his kingdom is not of this world. And of course, we remember that famous line when some questioned Jesus about paying taxes. And his response, render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. Now, on top of that, as I've expressed many, many times, including on this podcast, to understand the Bible and Jesus correctly, we have to understand that the Messiah, wanted by the vast majority of the Jews, was a political military leader who would throw the Romans out from occupying Judea and Jerusalem. But Jesus never did that. It was not his way. And people didn't and don't have to like that, but, you know, too bad that was Jesus' way. We can take it or leave it, but we cannot change the narrative or the teaching of Jesus. We either submit to that or we do something different. You can't change it. And I bring this up because Jesus' way, again, systematically was to reject being a political type leader, whether you like that or dislike it. It wasn't his interest. His interest was in changing the attitudes of individuals and hopefully through that, the attitudes then of larger groups of individuals and perhaps even the way of societies. But he never sought to accomplish that through political means. So that's why you don't see Jesus advocating to overturn the laws of society, be that about women or about slaves or about anything else. No, what he does is he tries to change the individuals who follow him. And he tries to teach them to treat everyone with love and respect as someone made in the image of God. And in Paul's writings, he doesn't try to overturn slavery and society as a whole, but clearly he lays out the idea that people who become Christians should, at the very least, treat their slaves as brothers. So it has to change the dynamic. And speaking of Paul, some of his top assistants were women. Jesus clearly treated women well, with great respect. And what's interesting to me about the way of Christ and how one enters into the church, you do so through holy baptism. Because in Old Testament times, a male was recognized as a Jew by being circumcised, and women were recognized as being Jew by essentially being married to a Jew. But in Christianity, both men and women are baptized. You cannot become a Christian by marrying a Christian. You yourself have to be baptized. And clearly, Paul was baptizing women even when their husbands were not being baptized and becoming Christians. So Paul was giving them the authority, the power to behave according to their will, and not necessarily that the will of their husband, not as being treated as his property. 
So I think all of these things are important to point out as it relates to the fundamentally positive view, I would say, that the Bible actually takes towards women, which was extremely countercultural to the prevailing views of societies at that time. Thank you, Father. Today we discussed the significance of the myrrh-bearing women who were the first witnesses to the resurrection of Christ. Father Aaron began by noting that St. John Chrysostom stated in a sermon that it was fitting that Christ's resurrection was first announced to the women, since it was Eve who had first tasted of the forbidden fruit. Eve then went on to evangelize Adam, just as the myrrh-bearing women evangelized the disciples. Another key point is something we have discussed numerous times, but is so important to stress, the fact that God systematically favors the weak, the poor, the needy, and the outcast, those who are seen as lesser in society. And this is done to show us, as Scripture says, that God's ways are not our ways. And this can be a difficult topic, this notion that women are lesser than men, But the reality is that at the time of Christ, women were not viewed as equal to men. And this fact makes it even more significant that God first sent the message of Christ's resurrection to the women. And not only that they first received the message, but the fact that they believed. The disciples, however, the men, did not believe. And from this example, we can better understand that when we overlook or ignore the weak, those we view as lesser than us, we will also overlook the message God is trying to send us. Finally, in addressing the common question of why Christ did not explicitly condemn things such as the treatment of women and slavery, Father Aaron explained that Christ did not come to operate as a political leader, which would have enabled him to advocate for the overturning the laws of society, but rather Christ came to change the individuals who followed him. And in this way, his teaching could transform his followers into people who treat everyone with love and respect and recognize we are all made in the image of God. Thank you for listening to Teach Me Thy Statutes. We hope you tune in next week for a new episode. Alleluia, glory to thee, O God. Alleluia, alleluia. Alleluia, glory to thee, O God.